Hey guys, we're live uh, with episode two of the What Men Want podcast, and um, I was planning on having one friend on this week for episode two, and then another friend popped into mind that was giving me hell in my DMs about something, and so I said, hey, I challenge you to come on board. So the audience doesn't even know who's coming on this week, but it might be a name that you're mildly familiar with. This week, I have one of my buddies. His name is Cam Ayala. Am I pronouncing it right, Cam? You actually got it right. Yeah. Excellent. I'm half Mexican, right? So I feel uh, like I can pronounce it. So, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, we're going to chat with Cam Ayala. Cam, I-, I haven't really talked to you about a ton of personal stuff. I know we've gotten together several times socially and, and um, talked about sports and talked about our careers and things of that nature. But give me an update, man. How old are you? Tell me a little bit about what you do. You're sitting here in front of me. Wearing scrubs with your exposed uh, half sleeve tattoo, right? I don't know if that's promoted or frowned upon in the medical industry, but uh, yeah, man, bring me up to speed. How old are you? What do you do? And what's your relationship status? Yes, so Cam Ayala, 32. I had to pause because like 31 kind of went by fast. So yeah, I'm 32. I uh, live here in Houston and I am what's called a compression therapy consultant. So basically, I do part medical device sales, but then also consulting with physicians and therapists and going to patients' homes and give them therapy uh, with the device. So, Understood. That's yeah. that's Hence why you said my, pac- my patients need me. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who don't know or follow Cam on Instagram, how many followers do you? You probably have 26, 27,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so you might follow him already, but you're sitting here in some type of a leg brace – yeah. What's going on, man? I remember something going on with your leg, your knee. You were put up for a few months. What happened? Yeah. Um, so it's been a pretty complicated medical journey for me. And I won't go through that whole minutiae because that's like... No, whole, no. That's a whole episode. No, you walked over here uh, from the other side of the house. Yeah. So with, with a walker. <laughs> yeah. I, I joked for Halloween I was going to get a name tag and just have it say Paul. So it would be Paul Walker. <laughs> Rest yeah. in peace. Too soon. Yeah. 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 Um, but just high level. So I've had issues with chronic infection in this leg from 2014 to 2020, which almost led to doctors wanting to do an above knee amputation. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so finally I had a group of specialists here in Houston want to do a pretty radical two part double knee replacement surgery. So basically Mm -hmm. right now I have no knee joint. It's just a big cement block Mm -hmm. and you can see I have an IV in. So taking pretty heavy antibiotics for that's an eight week period. So Mm -hmm. that's eight weeks of forced sobriety. Variety. Um, so <laughs> not super fun in that regard, but um, but yeah, the next surgery, the the part two, Lord willing, will be on March nineteenth. So that will hopefully get me on the right track to get my mobility back and get some level of normalcy. Excellent. So so the version of Cam Ayala that I see in front of me today, still funny, still social, amazing smile, but it's very different from the guy that I saw. On The Bachelorette with Hannah Brown in 2019. Yeah. So you were actually – just bring me up to speed. I don't religiously watch The Bachelorette, but yeah. I saw you do a rap with her right out of the gate. So bring me up to speed, man. What was yeah. going on? What What was that experience like? You know, looking back, there's parts of it that legitimately did give me PTSD. <laughs> and, and like, yeah, I, I can kind of laugh at that. But like, so when I was actually talking to Hannah about my disease lymphedema that I have in my mm-hmm. leg, 
She received it very well, but the version of that conversation that actually aired to the public was chopped and spliced and edited, and it lent itself to this narrative uh, type of persona that the show edited me for. Because like, even when you're a respectable person behind the scenes, you're polite to the producers, the cameramen, your fellow castmates, and obviously the lead, which was Hannah Brown. Like, I didn't ever foresee myself becoming one of the quote unquote villains. <laughs> and so then when you watch it live mm -hmm. back, like I didn't get a head viewing like, you know, hey, this is before the premiere. I watched mm -hmm. it live just like 8 million Americans did. Wow. So I saw this character like being created that mm -hmm. was so opposite of who I am. I'm like, well, shit, I just have to roll with this. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is that all these millions of viewers who don't understand that it is edited and produced, mm -hmm. they think that that's truly how I am. And like, mm -hmm. they got me talking in third person, which was an inside joke. And so that's how this whole ABC cam started, right? It was an inside joke with the producer that just got spliced in there. So literally hundreds of DMs from like people having death threats. Wow. Saying like, you know, really just degrading my character. So mm -hmm. like, that's the PTSD part. Sure. That just kind of still lingers on as people still like, watch you know past season but that's that's slowing down um but the other part too man just like dating after doing a show like that mm -hmm. can be difficult like i don't do dating apps for example because when i got off bachelor in paradise which was about a year and a half ago mm -hmm. like literally 80 percent of the messages i would get from bumble or hinge would be like you know a prove that it's not a fake account sure and b just asking questions about show like mm -hmm. never once were like hey cam how's your day gone it's mm -hmm. like, hey, tell me about so-and-so about the show. So I kind of swore off dating apps from mm -hmm. there. And then when I moved back to Houston in September of uh, 2019, that only gave me about a month and a half to kind of get acclimated before like COVID hit. And, sure. Like, the city shut down. So yeah. I'm still single. So dating not only during kind of the pandemic, but then ultimately with me building my career, working long hours, and then now going through this extra element of, of recovery with my health has, has added these other layers of complexity that can make, you know, finding even just a casual dating partner difficult in this moment. Well, you know, I, I think that first of all, you're an incredible looking guy. I don't think finding a casual dating partner would be very difficult for yeah. you. And a few conversations that we'd had prior to this meeting, right? You'd shared some things about your own personal character and, and views at dating and views of um, intimacy, right? That are, you know, to be quite honest, uh, number one, highly respectable, um, but probably differing from 90% of the sub 30 girls that I've met in the Houston dating scene, right? So can you give me some insight into your love languages yeah. or what your values are around intimacy and love and potentially exploring a serious committed relationship with a lifetime partner? Yeah, and what's interesting is, take The Bachelorette, for example. Sure. When most of the guys sign up to be on The Bachelorette, right, they're doing it to build their social media account, <laughs> right? They know that... The person who wins The Bachelorette is first runner-up, not the guy who actually gets picked and engaged. <laughs> it's the guy who almost wins and gets his heart broken and he's vulnerable. And next thing you know, all these girls are sliding into Tens of DM. thousands yes. of options. And, yep. and as the algorithm proves, typically that person becomes the next bachelor or whatever. Right? Okay. So 
a lot of people have this assumption about me that after doing a reality TV show and becoming, you know, even just a mild public figure to that demographic who watches the show, mm -hmm. like you would think that my DMs would just be overloaded with gals or me, you know, basically being an F boy. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is I've actually been with substantially less, um, even casual partners after the show than I was like in college and in my you know late twenties when I was just like, Hardcore, respectable, <laughs> consensual F boy, mind you, but definitely not one to settle down a monogamous relationship. But where I'm at now, um, at age 32, and where I'm at with my career and the financial stability that I have, um, I've also had, like, with the health scares, that really kind of puts life into perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of my good friends, and I'm sure a lot of your good friends, just being here from Texas, are already married with. One kid, some even three plus kids. I've or, got three kids, absolutely. Yeah, you've got three kids. Mm -hmm. And I've always aspired to be a father. Like, that's something I really want. I'm mm -hmm. not one of those guys like, you know, your last guest who was like, not a definite no, but not a definite yes. Mm -hmm. You know, he kind of needs some convincing. I'm mm -hmm. the opposite. Like, I'm ready, like, right now. If mm -hmm. I had, like, an uh-oh pregnancy, but it's with a girl I really like, like, I would say, hey, if you want to go through with this, like, let's have that kid. Sure. So, um, but where I'm at now, it just kind of intimacy, obviously it's physically somewhat <laughs> of a challenge just because I have mobility issues with my leg, but mm -hmm. you know, assuming, you know, a couple months down the road, once I'm healed and back to new normal and, mm -hmm. and can be in that, that comfortable space, um, I'm not holding out for marriage to sleep mm -hmm. with somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, I think having physical chemistry is important. You know, mm -hmm. we talk about love languages. I think most guys it's physical touch because we're, that's like an instinctual absolutely Darwinian, you know, evolution thing. Like we are <laughs> hardwired, you know, pun intended. Uh, but, uh, I think my second one, uh, which is also your, your first guess, is that words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. And I think you can get both of those at the same time. Right? Mm -hmm. It's you know, communicating physical wants and needs, um, receiving and giving, all that. So um, I'm not saying that I'm a prude by any means and that I'm looking just for the physical connection, but mm -hmm. I think it's important. But when you really like someone you know, based on personality, um, you know, that can't be the only thing. Mm -hmm. There's got to be that physical chemistry for me too, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if that makes me vain, whatever, maybe I'm just picky, I don't know. But like, I know females too can have that same perception. Like, yeah, the guy has a good job. He seems to have good character, good morals, good values, but like also am I sexually attracted to him? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, you're saying physical chemistry. What does that mean, right? Does that mean I'm attracted to you because you look a certain way? Um, or does it mean, hey, physical chemistry behind closed doors, right? Yeah, um, I, I think it's a combination. I think okay. it's both of those things, but like, I'm also like the subtle things. Like, mm -hmm. there's nothing better than like when you're having a conversation with a girl, maybe she laughs and reaches over and like touches your shoulder. Absolutely. That little minor thing mm -hmm. to me like goes such a far away. And I've had girlfriends who weren't big on PDA, and I'm not talking about like making out, but like, if we arrive somewhere and we didn't ride together, like I want to kiss you on the lips. I don't mm -hmm. care if we're at McIntyre's or wherever in the world sees, like I'm not, you know, that's a big deal to me. And like even holding hands, like I don't need to be like junior high, high school, like, every waking <laughs> man, like hold my hand while I get us, you know, some, yep. some fireballs or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, subtle things like that. Um, I think a lot of those subtle romantic gestures aren't really a norm anymore and, mm -hmm. and it's kind of sad because you know you see you know parents or you see those kind of old romantic rom-com movies like that's a big part of that just those mm -hmm. subtle romantic physical gestures absolutely you know I, I'm, I'm actually surprised and I don't know why I'm surprised to hear that myself 
Adam, my first guest, and now you, Cam, that we're all physical touch and words of affirmation. You know, I think one of the things that I was missing in my marriage when I was married for nine years was, I I say, I was missing attention and affection, Mm -hmm. right? And I think those fall into those two categories, right? Um, But um, I didn't know that it was just generally accepted that all men really just want attention and affection. But uh, no, thank you for sharing that. So let me ask you this. Real quick, here's the funny thing about physical touch in the realm of the uh, five love languages. If you take every single love language and break it down and you say sex after it, like, like think about it, like quality time of sex, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so like the, gifts, the fortune, co- the, the, the fortune yeah, cookie version exactly, of the love languages. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Gifts, yeah. sex, acts of service. I mean, there could be <laughs> sexual service. So that, that's kind of a funny thing. Sure. Every one of the five love languages could lend itself to some sort of sexual, you know, activity. Sure. Absolutely. But every relationship that I've been in since my marriage, right? Casual dating experience. I think if the foundation, at least in my experience, was on sex, it it really left me empty and unfulfilled. Right. Um, And that's probably showing my age a little bit at 37, um, wanting to have a little bit more of, uh, of an engagement around, right. Stimulating me myself mentally, right. And socially, as opposed to just sexually. So, uh, that's hilarious. I never thought of it that way. So, so you went to A&M, you lived in Austin all these years. Mm -hmm. How is the Houston scene different than the Austin scene? Give me some insight into that. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is I, I grew up in Houston here, kind of in the Cypress Burbs area. So Northwest part of town. So after I graduated high school and then, you know, went off to A&M and then worked in even Dallas, Fort Worth, and then LA, then Austin, and then now back in Houston, I didn't really get to experience the adult life in Mm -hmm. Houston. Like I never went to the Heights growing up. Mm -hmm. I never went to the Washington Avenue area growing up. So this is all still kind of new territory to me. (laughs) Um, But I mean, I... You know, I've been to McIntyre's a lot, like for Christmas breaks when I'm home, because that's mm-hmm. like my fraternity brothers for college would, you know, mm-hmm. conjugate to. So, um, I really enjoy a lot of the bars in the Heights. Um, you know, when I can go out there. Uh, but as far as the difference between, you know, Austin girls and Houston girls, um, frankly, I don't have a big enough data set for Houston. There you go. Okay. To, to, to well, hopefully, we can change common, that after this common, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Common denominators <laughs> there. But um, it, it, ironically, the only girl that I kind of like had a somewhat serious relationship with here in Houston since I moved back, mm-hmm. I met her in Austin at an Austin bar. <laughs> so Hilarious. she could as well, might as well been an Austin sure, girl. Sure, sure. But she was in town visiting girls. So, so I've been to Austin, you know, to party on Rainy Street several yeah. times, right, as an adult, as a grown-up, right? Yeah. When I was young, obviously, it was 6th Street, you know, 15 years ago. But, yeah. you know, with that being said, I think one of the fundamental differences that I've seen in going out into the River Oaks District and certain areas like that is the... Uh, the 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 manufactured women, right? When you look at yeah. the lip fillers, the fake lashes, the hair extensions, the 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 implants, right? Whether it's breast implants or butt implants, and it's just so prevalent from what I've seen 
specifically in that River Oaks community, right? So yeah. how do you feel, right? You say your vibe is really McIntyre's and the Heights, which I feel like is, you know, put on a hat and put on yoga pants, right? Mm-hmm. But then you look at these people that I'll just use the word manufactured. What's your opinion of women that kind of utilize that in order to, 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 to look like a 10, right? Yeah. I mean, it's funny. You and Adam talked about, you know, Botox, right? Yep. Guys can do, I guess, in essence, the same thing of, of manufacturing, mm-hmm. like whether it's dyeing their hair or, you know, getting X, Y, Z to mm-hmm. make them turn back the hands of father time. So how do I feel about, about women doing it? Um, it? It's interesting because like, I have patients who have breast implants because they have breast cancer. Oh, wow. Like, that's one manufacturer that I understand that use case. Mm -hmm. And then I understand women, too, oftentimes will get them to feel more comfortable in having their clothes fit more Mm -hmm. appropriately. But ones who get it to be a walking billboard where their cleavage is, it's Mm -hmm. like, you're not fooling me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I, I think women who are overly fake in manufacturing their beauty oftentimes their personalities make uh, match that fakeness. Interesting. That's your opinion. My opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm, hmm. That's a sweeping journalization. <laughs> it's not to say that there aren't anomalies and unicorns out there, but it's like the more, you know, plastic surgery you get, there's this certain level of self-obsession and mm-hmm. self-image that to me, I think is a big problem in society, like especially on, on social media, we're mm-hmm. constantly bombarded with this, pursuit of perfection that is honestly not truly attainable nor mm-hmm. sustainable. So, I mean, I don't mind. I mean, I've dated plenty of girls who've had breast augmentations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I'll be with any girl who just has more self-respect regardless of, you know, if she feels that'll make her more confident. And so what you're saying is, is it doesn't make you more attractive, but the self-confidence and self-love around being your natural self actually creates the exponential attraction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. So let's talk about uh, maybe the the, the easy way to get it, right? Where it doesn't cost $80,000 in going to the plastic surgeon. Uh, Instagram filters, Snapchat filters. How do you feel about those? You know, I I, I joked with one of my buddies. I said the perfect app would be um, called unfiltered where you can basically <laughs> take a picture of the picture and it actually undo like the uh, face tune. I feel like that exists or should exist. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, it's, it's the truth self, right? Yeah. Because by you That's already hilarious. doing that and adding those filters, like you're basically already saying you're not comfortable in your skin mm-hmm. and you're basically setting your own self up for failure because if, you know, reality does not match what you're portraying in your social media life. Mm -hmm. If you go and meet that person, that person is just going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. So like when I had kind of a a more of a dad bod, if you will, when I'd be visiting my buddies in Austin, we're on the lake taking pictures. Like I didn't care that I didn't have abs. I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is me. I'm smiling. I'm drunk. I'm having a good time. Yep. So when girls or really guys to just overly use these filters, like I'll be honest, I use them sometimes, mostly just to fix the bags under my eyes if I'm tired, <laughs> but I've never once used a filtering app to like give myself, you know, more defined, you know, biceps and all these other crazy things. You could turn a tree into a tin now. Sure. So what you're saying is, is filtering your face, hey, perfectly fine, 
but augmenting the way that your body looks, whether it's adding muscle or adding curves, well, that's your probably face too. I mean, you can how can your, you augment your face just by adding like extra contours, making your jawline less <laughs> than what it is, going yeah. from a three chin to a no chin. You know, it's, it's crazy what these apps are doing. That's what I'm saying. Unfiltered, that would be a cool way to like, absolutely. Really, well, know? watch that's going to be live in in a year, yeah, and you're going to say, "Damn it, that was me!" Right? You know, TikTok's going to offer yeah. them. Four billion dollars. <laughs> so, have you ever been catfish? And you said that you're not huge on dating apps, but tell me a story about one of the most memorable times that you were catfished. So, this goes way back to like 2011. Yeah. Where this was like pre Tinder, pre like any of those dating sure. apps. It was like, you know, eHarmony, where you had to be like middle aged and like really serious about. And so you were a middle aged twenty one year old on eHarmony. Well, no, 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 I'm saying that the landscape was eHarmony. Yep. Or uh, even Match.com was in its early infancy. Yep. And then you had OkCupid, and then you had Zeusk. Like <laughs> OkCupid and Zeus were like the ghetto ones, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I was up on Zeusk because it was free and times were tough at twenty one. <laughs> <laughs> and I see this girl and it was like almost kind of like MySpace where you had one profile picture. Oh, yeah. You couldn't have multiple pictures. Of mm-hmm. through. So she probably had this picture from years ago. So I was living in Fort Worth and uh, God, this is kind of messed up. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this was before I was a changed man, ladies. Uh, so she comes to my apartment and um, at the time I was just getting out of the shower. So I like had my roommate like click her in. Yep. And so she's at the door and I looked through the people and she was a good, I'd say 90 pounds heavier than wow. that picture. Yep. And again, I'm not fat shaming anyone, but when that you show in your profile picture, you like three years prior and not anywhere near the same physique you're at now, I'm sorry, that's false advertising. And so I opened the door and, uh, you know, gave her kind of that awkward side hug and she came in and, um, you know, she was just chilling in the living room. I went to my room to get changed. And then when we got back, uh, we were just sitting next to each other on the sofa. I like turn on like a movie and like within five minutes, I like fake fell asleep. Oh man. <laughs> and like, she even poked me a couple of times yeah. and like no response. So then, you know, I guess after about 45 minutes, she got up and left. So she sat there. And Netflix and chilled with herself before Netflix even existed. I like literally ghosted in front of her. (laughs) (laughs) So when you said, I can't believe I'm telling this story, that was actually much more uh, rated G than than I I was expecting. There's nothing like sexual, like, you know, nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. And obviously I feel terrible about it, but it's like, you know what? She false advertised and I could have been like rude and like not answered the door at all. Or or called her out to her face and said, hey, you don't look anything like your photos. I should have done that, but I hate confrontation. I'm terrible with confrontation. Interesting. Yeah, believe it or not. I'm a people pleaser. So I just thought, hey, if I just fall asleep on her, you know, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. So that's my like catfish story. Absolutely. You literally got catfished. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk about this then. So big social media followings, right? I've had girls call me out mm-hmm. that say, hey, you know, I saw your post. And I say, well, you didn't like it. She say, well, how do you know I didn't like it? I said, I know who likes my posts, right? I, you know, I follow the data. I'm a data scientist. And uh, I said, well, why didn't you like it, right? And she says, well, you get too many likes already. Right. And so I said, well, what does that even mean? So I've had people 
that have not had interest specifically in me because maybe I have too many Instagram followers, right? right. And and there's a, a kind of a preconceived assumption that I'm getting too much attention from uh, unsolicited individuals that yeah, want to yeah, show yeah. me attention, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so how do you feel about potentially exploring a dating relationship with, let's say, a woman who you had good chemistry with Mm -hmm. that was a regular poster on Instagram. I'm talking three to five times a week. And she had over 50,000 followers. Okay. What would would be your opinion of that and and your perception of that? So first off, that's more followers than me, so I would naturally be jealous. uh, Because that's a digital yeah. currency yeah. that obviously yeah. means something. Yeah. yeah, you know, there's the dopamine release for every notification we get that's positive, right? Yeah. Even those likes, that's what fires <laughs> off. You know, really gets our mojo fun. Yeah. Uh, but no, here's a true story. So before I went on The Bachelorette, um, my ex-girlfriend was like a self-proclaimed influencer. Mm-hmm. Like first person I ever dated or knew that owned a ring light. Like this was oh, like yeah. three or four years ago. <laughs> right, before everyone had a ring light. Yep. And so... Part of the issue with our relationship was every weekend, like she was very adventurous. She loved to do things like go on hikes and go to all the different music festivals mm-hmm. and, and anything else that Austin had to offer. But her goal and purpose of going to these events was strictly to capture the content. Wow. So I literally was an Instagram boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And so I was the guy behind the lens. Yep, exactly, yeah. Behind the lens. <laughs> And this was before portrait mode existed on iPhones, right? We're shooting with a freaking iPhone, right? Yeah. And so, like, if I didn't capture the perfect freaking picture, literally the afternoon was ruined. She would mm-hmm. be mad at me. And I just told myself that I would never, you know, date someone that vain again. Wow. Now, I understand now that there's a lot of beautiful women out there who just naturally get a lot of followers. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're regular posters. Maybe they do blogging like that. Or they, yeah, they have a they have a motivation blog, yeah. or they have something along that. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as long as that social media life um, does not spill over into the relationship, in the sense that I feel like I'm getting jealous because she's getting a lot of unsolicited DMs from mm-hmm. other dudes that she's responding to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just kind of comes down to trust. Um, so I don't have a problem with it as long as, again, there's that open communication and dialogue that we're both setting boundaries because I mean, she could say the same to me, like you have 20 plus thousand mm-hmm. followers. Girls are always sliding in your DMs unsolicited. Mm-hmm. How are you handling that? So, um, I think one of the biggest telltale signs though, like you in particular, right? You don't post regularly. And I think that many guys do not. And that just goes to show, right? Um, I'll use the word thirst trap, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think if you are the one that's posting three to five times a week, that it is maybe for the wrong reasons, at least in my experience. And that's very like, um, telling for me to say that because I'm a poster. Yeah. Right. I'm the one that's trying to create content. Trap. So I'm a walking thirst trap at 260 pounds. Yeah, that's absolutely. Right. Uh, six, <laughs> six foot two sexy ladies. How tall are you? You are tall. Six four. You're six four, and I'm five ten. Don't let him fool you, because I don't want to catfish anybody. But anyways, <laughs> uh, so let me tell you, or let me ask you this: How do you respond to girls that shoot their shot with you? Whether it's through right a, uh, a, a, an unsolicited DM or or something where it's not in person, 
Uh, it honestly kind of depends on their creativity. Like, okay. I, I know, like, for some people, it takes a lot out of their comfort zone to shoot a shot. Mm-hmm. Right? And you kind of get those, I can't believe I'm doing this. Or, I swear <laughs> I never do this. And I just bullshit. Like, whatever. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. they, yeah, it's copy and paste. Yeah. It's like a, a, a predictive yeah, text. You yeah. said the same thing to Tyler Cameron and all the other castmates <laughs> of mine, John Paul Jones, whatever. Uh, but if, if they come up with something kind of catchy and creative – Almost like just a regular pickup line in real life. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll entertain that. And then from there, if there's some good banter and good chemistry from there, you know, I may consider um, meeting. And I've actually, I've had a couple of like DMs that did, you know, translate into meeting in person and had yeah. a good time, but just wasn't the right person, you know? Yeah. So what are the variables that you look at? Because let's say they DM you and it is something that's uh, creative and, and catchy and witty, right? Obviously, you're going to do your research to see if it's somebody that you're attracted to. Yes. What are the variables that you look at? Or do you look at, um, I don't know, the, the things that you follow, the things that you post, the way that you dressed, where you travel, what is your career? What are the things that are important to you? Yeah, well, the first like common denominator is, and this goes for like all of my social media, there is a mutual friend. Its, it's name is Jeremy Jensen. <laughs> Is that true? It's actually true. Oh, okay. I mean, not, not everyone, but yeah, there, yeah. there is a shocking amount of Understood. beautiful girls that are mutual friend Jeremy Jensen. Because they added him, ladies, bear in mind. <laughs> uh, but to kind of do like your, your research, if you will, you know, once they send that initial thing, I guess to your point, like, yeah, I kind of do look before I respond, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, obviously if their account is private versus public, mm-hmm. you know, if I have to then follow them to do my research, honestly, I'm not going to do it. Interesting. And if... Um, they only have like less than a hundred posts, like in total, like mm-hmm. the platform's been around for long enough. Sure. You know, you can have at least, I think at least a minimum hundred posts is a good number. Yeah. I don't know what my number is. I know it's more than a hundred, <laughs> but I don't want someone with like three posts, right? You can kind of tell those are catfish accounts. Understood. Yeah. But, but to your point in, in terms of just kind of getting a sense of, okay, is this girl adventurous? You can tell because she's been to Santorini and takes the same picture that every girl in Santorini <laughs> takes. Um, That's the way that I feel when I see like the Marfa post in front of yeah. Prada. Oh, it's God, like you it. made that trip for that photograph. It's like a five-hour drive. <laughs> that, that I think really it's way a longer than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those Marfa fuckers. Uh, but <laughs> it, it, but in terms of like seeing their their lifestyle, like kind of the way they dress. I mean, it kind of goes back to that manufactured beauty. Like, sure. I'm not saying that if a girl dresses promiscuous, that she's promiscuous. But you know, also. Police officers wearing a police uniform, they use a fucking cop. Just <laughs> that way. It's like an old Dave Chappelle bit. He talked about that. But um, So I'm going to defend them a little bit, okay. right? Because I feel like there's a time and place for those dresses, right? Oh, so if it's, you know, maybe Halloween, New Year's, bachelorette party, something to that effect, right? Hey, we're in Vegas on a girl's weekend. Um, because I have several friends that will post those photos because it's in places that are just not drift in McIntyre's, right? Like where totally I'm fucking acceptable. Totally, totally acceptable. Totally acceptable. Yes. But if you're walking through HEB on Shepherd and 19th and you're posting tits out for a, for a thirst trap, that raises somewhat <laughs> of a red flag. Plastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give me the too. give me the paper and I'll give you the plastic. Exactly. Oh man, uh, I think I might try to work in that caption somewhere. Your audience is not old enough to even get that reference. Just my, so you know. Yeah, my audience is like from two years old to ninety-two. It's crazy. It's yeah, not just little teeny boppers who watch the show. You'd be surprised. Like, yeah, a lot of Tammies and Karens from Dakota out there. <laughs> 
<laughs> Those are the ones sliding your DMs. Yeah. Whoever's dating Most you. Most sending me like Bible verses and stuff. Which is Interesting. Cool, but it's also you know unsolicited. So. Yeah, understood. Well, let's talk about crazy exes then, right? I mean, have you ever been in love? Have I you have. Uh, right? And so, where are they now? Are let's they talk now? about that. And how did it end? And why did it end? Yeah. So I'm just in general, I'm, I'm the type of person that whenever a relationship ends, I, I'm like out of sight, out of mind. Like I, you know, obviously if you've been married, your situation is completely different, but if you're just a a single bachelor and you haven't been engaged or or, or with this Mm -hmm. person, like in a committed contractual arrangement, um, (laughs) my whole thing is if I'm going to move forward, you can't drive the car forward while staring in the rear view. Mm -hmm. And I just never want, cause I'm the type, like if I linger around on an ex, like even though we're broken up, like I'm going to want to have the makeup sex. Yeah. I don't want to try to make things work when I know it's not going to work, mm-hmm. you know? So I like block them on social media, delete their numbers. But like, if I happen to be living in the same city and I see them out in public, I'm not going to cause a scene, mm-hmm. right? Like I'll be civil. I'll try to avoid them. But if I see them, you're like, you know, mm-hmm. hey, I'll going. But I have had out of my three, like serious relationship, there was one crazy one, um, mostly because she was an alcoholic oh. and I didn't know that mm-hmm. in the initial part of the relationship. Sure. Because I think it's common for a lot of early stages in the relationship. Like both people are nervous. So those first dates, you're like going out to maybe to a bar for happy mm-hmm. hour. And then you go out to dinner and you're drinking because you're nervous. Mm-hmm. And then when things go well, you're drinking and partying together, right? So mm-hmm. I think for a lot of young, you know, fresh relationships with couples, they tend to drink a little bit more mm-hmm. than, than maybe once you're settled in and you don't need to, you know, crank three bottles out on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, so I didn't see that the alcoholism until about two months in and I was recovering from a surgery. So I was sober. So I had it through that lens Yeah. and we actually lived together. And, um, after dating for about a year and a half, it, the drinking just got to a point and her just attitude while she was in those drunken moments, I had to get out. So I moved out in the middle of the day without telling her. Wow. And I left a note and, um, obviously like, 70 missed calls from her and I just I texted her and said hey mm-hmm. give, me, give me like a week to mm-hmm. like have us both process this and we can have a clear head and come together mm-hmm. yeah you said you don't like confrontation yeah. so I think uh, from my point of view you probably should have sh- sat down and had a conversation with her maybe we could have yeah. got her on the right track I mean there were probably other variables that contributed to you saying hey this is the last straw well and in having that closure conversation she had told me that she was checking in to get hope like rehab okay so so to me, it's like, okay, she's putting the work in, so maybe we can get back together. Sure. But I made it very clear to her. I said, look, like, you really need to, like, work on this for yourself. Mm-hmm. And this isn't me, like, not wanting to support you as a human being, but, like, you have broken me down mm-hmm. and said, frankly, some kind of unforgivable things and those mm-hmm. drunken stupors. And you know the old saying, a drunken mouth speaks a sober heart. I totally agree with that. So mm-hmm. I couldn't handle that passive aggression. So that's one quality I do try to steer a clear from this passive aggression because that means there's a lack of communication up front. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the crazy uh, relationship I've been in. Yeah. yeah. And so there weren't any broken glasses or no, keyed were. cars or anything to, of that nature? In that relationship, there were. Yeah, I mean, not keyed cars or anything, sure. but just like broken glasses of her slamming things mm-hmm. and me trying to avoid those confrontations and going to our guest bedroom and just like, it was not a healthy mm-hmm. emotional or physical environment. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, so we're both in our thirties, right? Yep. And you know, people say, well, why are you single? Right. I've been single for the last three years. And I think one of the big reasons why is I've been in enough relationships and environments to where not only do I know what I want, but I absolutely know what I 
don't want. Amen. And so when we see the red flags very early, we tend to have the confidence to pump the brakes really quick. Yep. And we say, hey, I don't, I don't need this in my life, right? And so it's very easy for somebody, once they kind of get a little bit more set in their ways, to say, hey, I'm only going to make time for somebody that makes me a better person yeah. because I don't rely on anybody making me feel whole, yeah. right? So, Well, and, and the tough thing about that too is uh, I think the older we get, it, it kind of reminds me of this like old Michael Scott quote from The Office. Yeah. He says, uh, uh, I'm single, I love it, and I'm excited because every day I get a little bit more desperate. <laughs> <laughs> and so what's that timeline? What is the timeline oh, yeah. of desperation for you? <laughs> I, I don't know because I think as men we have obviously a much longer biological clock because that's a big concern for a lot sure. of women. They want to be married and they want to get to the point where they can have you know healthier kids Absolutely. the younger they are. So I get that. Um, but for me, uh, you know, we talk about having this list of things that we don't want mm-hmm. in, in a significant other. But it's like, what if we meet this person and they check all the boxes, but they still have one of those things that we don't want? Mm-hmm. Do we have the grace to try to? let that thing go under the rug and just kind of say, Hey, nobody's perfect. Or do we accept the fact that no one's going to change and in that one thing and just have to deal with it? Or mm-hmm. just say, you know what? That's enough for me to not want to pursue this, even though everything else about you is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Have you had that situation? Yeah. So I think in my relationship that lasted 11 and a half years, um, I was the one that was probably the, the the rigid one that she wanted to change and maybe she had some uncertainty on whether I would, right? And yeah. so what I'll say in order to, to defend, you know, not only myself, but those people that are, <laughs> uh, is I'll say that we all go through different seasons of life, yeah. okay? Yeah, yeah. So the person who I was when I got engaged at 24, uh, the person who I was when I started my first company at 26, right? The person I was when I made my first million at 30, right? And then the person who I look at and see in the mirror at 37, we have very different views on how many children we want, how much traveling we want to do, right? Um, What house we want to be in, what area of town we want to be in, right? And so I'll say that obviously finances dictate certain things, right? Um, You know, experiences, good or bad, can can dictate uh, different views on massive uh, areas of life, right? I mean, we're talking how many kids do I want? You know, when I was... um, you know, 24 years old, and I was talking to my fiance about how many kids. I said two. Yeah, two I tell you, two and done. There's no way. Now I've got three, and I could go for three more. And <laughs> I'm not joking. Yeah. I've experienced the joy yeah. and the gratitude and 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 the fun. Like it's just such an incredible experience. And, and, and that's what I want. Yeah, and, and you know, I told you my love languages, right? Were attention and affection. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, when when a little kid, right? That, when your own children are with you, love is not a choice yeah, yeah. like like I think with a spouse, right? I mean, yeah. a spouse can make a decision to say, you know what? I'm done. Yep. I'm gone. Yeah. Children love you unconditionally. Whether you showed up for that game when you told them that you would and you didn't yeah. and you break their heart, yeah. they're massively in love with you. And, and fortunately, I've been in a position where I've never had to have my kids experience that heartbreak because I grew up without a father. Yep. And I vowed that I wouldn't provide that same quality of life, right, for my kids. And yeah. so, you know, I think priorities change. 
Um, I think that as we get older, we become a little bit more um, intelligent and self-aware and we're able to identify our own right areas for improvement. And I think that it's a matter of being with someone that has um, the humility to say, hey, this is what I need to work on and I'm going to be very intentional about it, not take a take it or leave it type, you know, mentality. So, um, yeah, man, I think that was a really good, you know, thought that you brought up right there. And, um, you know, like I said, at 31, I mean, you admitted it. You're looking for something very different mm-hmm. than what you were looking at at 21, right? Yeah, so and so, people do change. Is that essence what it comes? People down to? absolutely do change, and that's my opinion, right? Yeah. Because I've got evidence of it. Yeah. Now, will you change between 40 and 60? You're probably going to be pretty set in your ways with yeah. regards to what you value and what your career is going to be and where you're right. going to live. And that's just a probability, right? Yeah. It's not absolute. But when we talk about people change, right? You're 32. Yeah. Um, you Your health is, I think, getting in order, right? Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. physically fit. You look amazing. I just look at a fucking knee brace. And, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't look painful, but it's certainly yeah, restricting. I'm just on the injured Absolutely. Player. I are. <laughs> so, so kind of in closing, let's talk about what, what are the best qualities that you look for in a wife, right? We're not talking about a girlfriend now. Let's yeah. talk about a wife. Yeah. Um, you know, you have Hollywood's depiction of it. And then you have talking to my married friends, the real mm-hmm. life depiction of it. So I'll go based on the real life depiction. Um, it's, it's having someone that, you know, to your point, you have to choose to be with them every single day. Like yep. When you wake up, you have to choose to be intentional that, you know what, if she's going to nag me, I'm going to smile and I'm going to say yes, darling, and I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm still going to love her on those bad days because mm-hmm. I think we can romanticize marriage in general. And, you know, you see these YouTube videos of these couples who are 94 years old. And you're like, oh, I want that. But it's like, <laughs> guess what? They probably had some really bad days because healthy couples fight fair. Mm-hmm. They fight fairly. And, you know, I'm not saying a relationship's going to be perfect. I don't want a perfect relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not looking for that. But someone who is going to be in a compassionate mother, because me being in healthcare in the medical field, like, I have to be compassionate towards my patients every single day. And that's a very important quality, which is why like I would love to be with like a nurse or Mm -hmm. a doctor or someone else who's kind of in the healthcare space who not only understands what I do professionally, but just has that natural maternal compassion Mm -hmm. for themselves and for others. Um, and again, a sense of humor, I think is important too, because I'm a freaking idiot. Not everyone gets my jokes. I sometimes like it when they don't, because it's like awkward and I like making people feel awkward at times, but but ultimately, like someone who, who gets me, and I've had past girlfriends who didn't like live music. And it's yeah. like, what the hell? Like, I'm so big into music. Like, I want to go to either a hip-hop concert or a chill country acoustic concert. Yeah. Like, let's go enjoy the vibe. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, someone who just will accept me flaws and all. I mean, I'm by far not a perfect person. I've had physical, emotional um, types of, of ailments throughout the years. And uh, just someone, again, who's going to ride it for the long haul. I love that, man. You know, hey, thank you for being so open. Thank you for being so vulnerable. Thank you for having me in your home. Um, I had an awesome time. Is there anything that you want to give our listeners in closing on how they can get a hold of you or or maybe sure. even little, any little nuggets? Little nuggets. Uh, yep. So you can find me on Instagram, Cam, C-A-M, Ron, R-O-N, Ayala, A-Y-A-L-A. 
Um, you know, shoot me some creative DMs. You know, that's how this whole uh, dog and pony show gets started. So, but thank you, Jeremy, for having me. I think this is an awesome thing you're doing. I look forward to future episodes, which I guess if I'm number two and Adam's the most eligible bachelor in Houston, I guess I'm the second most eligible bachelor in Houston chronologically and financially and probably physically. But you know, hey, number two is all right, ladies. Abs, ain't nothing wrong with silver. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. And uh, let's go hang out, man. Absolutely. Awesome. Cheers. Cheers.